Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to church today. My name is Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's my great privilege to welcome you to worship this morning. As you can see, we have our baptistry here because it's Baptism Sunday. It's going to be a great worship experience together. That deserves an ovation for sure. Really excited about this for, for sure. Uh, for those of you joining us online, welcome to those of you as well. Um, and if you'd like to learn more about who we are, you can certainly do that. And the way that you do that is by communicating with us to let us know that you're here. For those of you here in person, you can take that communication card and fill that out. And uh, if you have some free time afterwards, stop by our Welcome Center and say hello and drop off that communication card. And we also have a free gift for you just for joining us this morning. But indeed, uh, thank you for being here today. For those of you joining us online, just go to our website at blchurch.com. And there is a banner on our front page on our website that says, Are You New Here? Click on that banner. Complete the form that pops up on your screen, and I will personally connect with you sometime this week. But indeed, once again, thank you for joining us. I do have a few things I want to make mention of today, uh, not the least of which, a very important thing. This weekend, we celebrated Veterans Day, and we would like to honor those in our midst. Absolutely, that deserves an ovation. We'd like to honor those here uh, this morning who have served uh, in our United States military in one way, shape, or form. And so if you are among those who is a veteran, can you stand up in our worship assembly today? We would like to honor you. We have several. Let's give them an ovation. Thank you, and you may be seated. You know, we are able to gather here in this place because of your service, because of your willingness to sacrifice and serve our country in the name of freedom. I also want to say a big thank you to my father who watches online, who also served, and he is a veteran as well. And so thanks, Dad. Um, I do also want to uh, remind you of a few more things that are going on over the next few weeks. The first is that uh, we are having baby dedication next Sunday on November 19th, as well as some more baptisms. And so if, if you have a little one that you would like to have dedicated under the nurture and admonition of the Lord Jesus, we invite you to do so. And the way that you do that is by signing up online. You can go to our website, look for the banner that you see on the screen that says Baby Dedication. Click on that banner and complete the form. If you don't use technology, just call our church office and let us know that you'd like to get signed up. We look forward to Baby Dedication next Sunday. Last, I want to mention uh, the fact that we're going to start another installment of Growth Track. I've talked to a number of you about joining our Growth Track class. If you are relatively new to Victory Life Church and you'd like to learn more about who we are, this is a great way for you to do that. If you want to grow in your faith and serve and get, in, get into a life group and study God's Word, this is the way to kind of get connected to those things. And so our next Growth Track class is going to start Sunday, November 26th at 9.30 a.m. Once again, to sign up, you can go to our website, look for the banner that says Growth Track, or call the church office. We would uh, get you signed up that way uh, as well. Well, that's all I have this morning in the way of announcements. If you've come to worship the Lord Jesus with your tithes and offerings, uh, you can text to give, you can give online, or you can give as you exit the sanctuary today. But indeed, thank you for worshiping the Lord Jesus uh, with your tithes and offerings uh, this morning. I can ask you to stand today, and as you do so, let's bow for a word of prayer together. Father in heaven, we've come here because we know that you have something to share with each and all of us. You want to speak to hearts and minds. 
And we are here with eager expectation that you will meet us in this place and indeed speak to our hearts and minds. So I pray that you would enable us to have the ability to recognize you as you speak to us as we worship you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And let's worship him this morning. Power! 
seated this morning, we have just sang about Jesus coming for us, setting our spirit and our soul free. We have that freedom today in Christ. There are some people who want to declare that over their life today through baptism. So let's continue to celebrate as I welcome Pastor Peter. Good morning, everyone. I want to invite Josh Eschen up to get baptized. Uh, we are going to be doing a baptism service today, and baptism is something that Christians have been doing for 2,000 years. It's something that Jesus did himself uh, to show us his example. Uh, it's kind of a public way of sharing that we believe in Jesus, that we've put our faith in him, and we want everyone to know about it. So Josh is going to make his way into the tank here with Pastor Matt, uh, and I want to read for you uh, Josh's testimony about why he is getting baptized today. Josh wrote, my testimonial is that I don't remember the first time I was baptized to God. Sorry about that. This is to outwardly show my recommitment to God. So we want to celebrate with Josh as he gets baptized today. So I want to invite up Tawny Miller next. And this is Tawny's testimony. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior many years ago, but never pursued baptism. Through all of life's up and downs, his steadfast love and provision in my life has been constant. I'm truly redeemed by his grace alone, and I've had it on my heart to take this step to outwardly symbolize the work of the Lord that he has done on the inside. And next we have Dan Miller. Dan's testimonial reads like this. I began to truly comprehend the message of the gospel only when I came to understand my need for it. God revealed to me my own brokenness and need for a savior. Since I came into my adult faith in Christ, my life has a renewed purpose and meaning. I will commit the rest of my life to serving him.
tonight, I want to welcome up Paige Miller next. Paige wrote, I grew up in a Christian household, but never really started taking my faith as my own until fifth grade. During this time, I started to struggle with some pretty bad anxiety and started to lean on the Lord more. In sixth grade, I switched from my public school to CBCA, which is a local Christian school, and it was a big change for the better. Ever since this switch to CBCA, my faith has improved so much, and a couple of years back at one of the school retreats, I took the step to be saved. Since then, I've had a both extremely strong and weak faith, but overall, I feel that now is a good time to take the next step in my faith and be baptized. And Brighton Thompson. Brighton wrote the following as his testimonial. I want to be baptized because I want to follow Jesus and help others know him too. Well, thank you for celebrating with us. I want to invite you to stand, and we're going to transition back into a time of worship through singing uh, as we continue to celebrate what the Lord is doing and celebrate who he is. Let's just continue singing this morning and bless the Lord for what he's done. Joy in this place today.
so many reasons to praise. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for you and me. And now in the name of Jesus, we have victory. We have victory over so many things in this life. We have victory over the physical things, the physical needs in our life. And we know that because we saw God move in time and time again in the Old Testament for the children of Israel. But then we saw God move in time and time again in the New Testament for physical needs needing to be met. And he did when we called on that name of Jesus when we praised and worshiped, and he still does it today for you and me. When we praise, when we sing hallelujah unto his name, he comes in and he fights our physical battles. But I'm reminded of when the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he said, which is easier? Is it easier for me to tell this man to rise up and walk or your sins are forgiven? And he said that, so you will know that the son of man has power, I say to him, rise up and walk and your sins are forgiven. He did them both. He had the physical needs met, but God met the spiritual needs. He has the spiritual victories in our life, too. So when we raise a hallelujah unto the Lord, we're not just talking about the things we need physical, but we're talking about spiritual battles that are ahead of us. The book of Ephesians tells us to put on the armor of God. And the final piece is the, the boots of preparation for the gospel of peace. So when we raise a hallelujah to the Lord this morning, we are preparing to take ground for the Lord. We're preparing to take the kingdom back. We're preparing to say, Lord, we raise a hallelujah, and we know that there are trials the enemy wants to bring our way. But when we raise a hallelujah to your name, you're going to move in, and you're going to meet both the physical and the spiritual, because that's who you are. So maybe you have a physical need this morning. Raise a hallelujah to God. Maybe you have a spiritual need this morning. Raise a hallelujah. Maybe you're going to do both. Either way, let's worship by raising a hallelujah.
Amen. 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 Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you ask us to pray each and every day that your kingdom would come and that your will will be done. Lord, we recognize in this house of worship today that if your kingdom is going to come, your enemy's kingdom is diminishing. If your kingdom is going to come, someone's going to fight tooth and nail against the people of God in order to bring us down. But Lord, when we face the struggles of this life, we don't face them alone. No, our boast is in you. Our hallelujah is in you. Our trust is in you. Lord, you've placed us on this earth to continue with you in your mission of bringing about the kingdom of God. And so today we raise a hallelujah in this place. We put our hope and our trust and our faith completely in you. And we ask, Lord, that every exercise we do in this place, from baptism to worshiping the Lord and singing, through worshiping the Lord and giving, and worshiping the Lord through hearing the word of God, every aspect and exercise of our time together would be for the kingdom of God and that you would take ground in this world for that kingdom. So our boast and our hallelujah is in you today, and we pray, Lord, that as we continue in this service, your presence would be near. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. All right, welcome once again to Victory Life Church. We're so glad you're worshiping with us today. What a beautiful time of baptism and worship we've had so far this morning, watching people demonstrate righteousness here in this place. What a, what a blessing. At this time, we're going to dismiss our young disciples. So young disciples, you can head on down the hall, get a message on your level. We'll be excited to see you in about a half an hour. For those that remain, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3, that's where we're going to be this morning, Matthew chapter 3. A couple of months ago, a number of my cousins coerced me, goaded me into being the commissioner of my family's fantasy football league. It was a great mistake on my part because I didn't want to be the commissioner, in fact, I usually forget to set my roster for fantasy football. I'm slightly busy on Sunday mornings. And so they, they coerced me. They prodded me. They, they, they said, come on, Matt, you can do it one more year. And so I, I set up our fantasy football league, but I didn't do it with the right attitude. I thought, you know what? If they want me to be the commissioner, fine. I will exercise all my rights as fantasy football commissioner. So I went to the rules, and I changed them. I decided that... PPR, points per reception, is nonsense. After all, if somebody catches a pass for negative one yard, they should not be rewarded. So I knock that out of there. And then I decided that kickers should not ever decide a fantasy football game. So I lessened their impact on the game. And then to exercise my full rights as commissioner, I scheduled the draft on a night and time of my own choosing. It was rude. It was wrong. But I did it. It felt good. And it also felt sinful. Because I had exercised all of my rights as fantasy football commissioner, changed all the rules, set the draft for when I wanted it. And then finally, when one of them says, we need a tenth player, instead of searching for a cousin who would not return my texts, I just asked my daughter to fill the tenth spot. 
all of my rights were fully exercised and I could care less about how anyone felt about it. The past three weeks here at Victory Life, we have been studying the character of our Lord Jesus. What are the character qualities of Jesus of Nazareth, second person of the Trinity, that we are to emulate? If we are going to be fully formed disciples, we need to be people who do things not only that he did, but do things in the spirit and the character in which he did them. So we've been studying his character, and we've come across some rather shocking moments. The first shocking moment two weeks ago was when we saw Jesus on the cross looking down at his accusers, looking down at his murderers and saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And in that shocking, shocking moment, we had demonstrated to us just what level of forgiveness that we are to operate in, just the, the character quality of mercy. The second shocking moment is what we discovered last week when Jesus knelt down and washed the feet of his disciples. The second person of the Trinity, God from eternity, knelt down and washed the feet of his disciples to demonstrate the requisite humility that would be needed on the part of his disciples in order to change the world for God. So we saw that shocking moment. And today I'd like to take you to a third shocking moment, not from the end of Jesus' ministry, like we saw the last two weeks, but the very beginning. Because it's this shocking moment that will show us a character quality of Christ that if we can embody, I think all the rest will fall into line. In fact, I wanted to do this passage with you two weeks ago, but I decided to save it for this morning. I thought it would be apropos. Many of you know there was a forerunner to Jesus, a prophet that came before Jesus. His name was John the Baptist. He baptized people, so they called him Baptist. It was brilliant. Long story short, John was a prophet who came to prepare people's hearts for Jesus. John's ministry was so compelling that he would go out into the wilderness and begin to preach, and people would come out to him to hear him preach. Now, I tried this at the national parks on Wednesday. I just went out into the woods and started preaching to the trees, but no one came to listen to me. But John's ministry, I didn't really try that. But John's ministry was so powerful, so efficacious, if you will, that people were coming out to him in the wilderness of Judea to hear him, and upon hearing him preach, they would confess their sins, and they would be baptized in the Jordan River. So, so they, were, they were being baptized for repentance. They were saying, God, I, I'm, I'm not impressed with my current lifestyle. I recognize that it's not honoring to you. I want to confess my sins out loud in the presence of other humans. And then I'm going to be baptized, which is kind of a newfangled idea. Baptism is not something practiced in the Old Testament. The idea of a, of a ritual bath in a, in a, in a, in a bathtub, in a mikvah, is, is something. But being dunked in the Jordan River, that's kind of a newfangled thing. So John's having this ministry that is impacting people, causing them to step outside of themselves, ultimately to get them ready for the coming of the Messiah. The Old Testament hinted to the idea that there'd be a prophet that would come to prepare people's hearts before the Savior of the world came. John filled that role. But what happens next between Jesus and John the Baptist is an unexpected moment. Now, I'll demonstrate to you in a moment why it's shocking. And if we can get our minds wrapped around the shocking nature of what Jesus does here, I believe we'll pinpoint the character quality that each one of us should be embodying. A character quality that if we can get right in our spirit, boy, we could change the world. 
Let's read Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 and following, and look at this shocking moment that mirrors a little bit of what we've seen already today in this place. It says in Matthew 3, 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented Jesus, saying, I need baptized by you, and do you come to me? Strangely reminiscent of the words of Peter last week, right? Lord, do you wash my feet? You come to me, says John, verse 15. But Jesus answered John, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Verse 17, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. For one, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, I mentioned to you that this is a shocking moment, and certainly the words of John to Jesus denote that it's something unexpected. But let's talk about why it's shocking on three different levels this morning. Maybe shocking on the first level, a big deal on the second level, and maybe kind of cool on the third. The reason that this is so shocking is because this very act seems to fly in the face of one of our most deeply held Christian doctrines. In fact, I was talking to our children's director this week about this specific passage, and she said, anytime we hit this passage, the kids go nuts. They're like, what? Why is Jesus being baptized? What? This makes no sense. Why would Jesus need to be baptized? Even for seven and eight and nine-year-olds, this, this, this is outrageous. And the reason it is outrageous is because one of the most deeply held and understood doctrines of the Christian faith is that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for sin because Jesus had no sin. Matthew 3, 6 tells us that this was a baptism for the confessing of sins and repentance. Yet here Jesus is being baptized. And so when kids who have been raised from a very early age to know that Jesus was the sinless Son of God see Jesus being baptized, they're like, wah, wah. Now, we're adults, so we don't go, wah, in church. We just kind of like, oh, okay. I can see that this is a bit awkward, right? And that's what Jesus and John are denoting here. I mean, just so we make sure we don't make too big a deal out of this, let's, let's just rehearse some, some verses that, that you may or may not know. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.22 said, He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Hebrews chapter 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but was tempted every way such as we, yet was without sin. So, so, so there, there's another one. We have 1 John 3.22, which says, Jesus appeared to take away sin, and in him there was no sin. 1 Peter 2.22 said, He's committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. So why is Jesus being baptized by John in a baptism that appears to be the confession of sin and repentance towards God. That's why this is shocking. If kids are shocked by this, we should be asking the same type of questions. The second reason that this is odd 
is that Jesus was deeply intentional about this. Jesus wasn't hanging out in the Judean wilderness one day and goes, ah, it's hot. Why don't I go in there? The, the, the verse tells us, 313, or 3.13 tells us, that Jesus came from Galilee to this place. Now, I figured this out. If Jesus was anywhere in the Judean wilderness, he had to have traveled at least 70 miles to be baptized by John. Now, I don't know if Jesus had opted for brooks or hokas at vertical sandal, but this is a long journey. This is three, four days, and that's not round trip. That's in one direction over rough-hewn Galilean and Judean roads. He's taking at least a week of his time to go get dunked. Now, I had to come in a swimsuit today, and it was cold this morning. It was slightly an imposition. But Jesus traveled 140 miles at least round trip for this moment. And, of course, this moment is full of confusion. John looks at Jesus and goes, uh, I'm the forerunner to the Messiah, not the Messiah. You should be baptizing me. That, that's what needs to happen here. And you're coming to me to be baptized? So this is a confusing moment, yet Jesus has done so intentionally. But perhaps the biggest reason that we know that this is such a big deal is not only that Jesus risks the confusion of being baptized by John. We also know that it's a big deal because name me all those other places in the New Testament that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all present at the same time. That's a trick question. We could sit here for a long time. You'd have a rough time finding another place in the New Testament where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all present at the same time. Yet here we read that as Jesus was coming up out of the water, the Spirit of God was descending on Christ like a dove. And I always read verse 4-1 when I preach this text because I want Christians to see that Jesus didn't begin his ministry until the Holy Spirit had come upon him. And that's a big deal. And that's why 4-1's important. And then the Spirit of the Lord drove Jesus, is directing Jesus into the wilderness in order to be tempted and overcome temptation on our behalf before he starts his ministry proper. So we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have Jesus being baptized, the Spirit descending like a dove, and a voice from heaven saying what? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Big deal. Big deal, the baptism of Jesus. So why was Jesus baptized? What's the point of the sinless Son of God being baptized if the whole idea is he had to be sinless to save us? Why? Why? Well, Jesus gives us the answer. And the answer is super simple in all of its complexity. How's that for an oxymoron? Super simple in all of its complexity. He looks at John, he says, let it be so now to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus is willing to risk later confusion because it is a confusing thing that the sinless son of God would be baptized. He's, he's willing to risk it. He's willing to risk it to be baptized by someone who's not his spiritual better, right? I mean, the distance between the righteousness of Jesus and the righteousness of John is huge. Think for just a moment of the politician that you disdain the most. Go. And then think about them baptizing you. Go. 
The distance between you and that hated politician is not nearly as wide as the distance between the righteousness of John and Jesus. Because John was a sinner too. And Jesus was sinless and perfect. Yet Jesus is humbling himself. And of course there's something very humbling about having someone else plunge you beneath the water. I mean, no one likes to get wet in public, right? And here someone else is doing this. So Jesus is, is humbling himself greatly in this particular moment. So what was Jesus displaying? Well, it's simple. This is the character quality. He's displaying a hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's willing to do things that he should not have to do, that by rights he doesn't need to do, but he's going to do it anyhow. Because somehow, in God's economy, it fulfills all righteousness. We learn something very important about our Savior, something that's going to follow him throughout the rest of his ministry, and it's this. Jesus is driven by righteousness. He's not driven by his rights. He's driven by doing righteousness, not by his rights. By rights, he doesn't need to be baptized. By rights, he should have gone down into the Jordan River and said, I am greater than John. John, submit to my baptism and let us do this in a way that people will really be talking about. But he doesn't. By rights, he, he, could, have, he could have even gone to John and gone, John, baptize me. No, just fooling, right? He could have done this. Like when you go to shake somebody's hand, they're like, no. My jumper's on tonight, and you're going to feel it, right? No, he doesn't do any of that. But by rights, he doesn't need to be baptized. By rights, he's the one who should be doing the baptism. By rights, the second person of the Trinity doesn't need to, need to travel 70 miles to be baptized by John. He has the right to baptize John. He has the right to refuse baptism, but he doesn't because he's fulfilling all righteousness. So what makes this righteous behavior? What, what makes it so that Jesus lays down his rights and his hunger and thirst for righteousness, Matthew 5, 6, his hunger and thirst for righteousness becomes so evident? Well, I think we have our answer directly from the text. It's right here. This is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. Why is Jesus being baptized? Because it pleases the Father. See, this is the character of quality that, that, that we're denoting when we are baptized. We're saying to God, I don't want to please myself anymore. I don't want to be the center of the universe anymore. I don't want to be the one that's in charge of my life anymore. I don't want to have to fight these battles alone anymore. I will do what pleases you. Because what pleases you, I am convinced, is what will ultimately be best for me. God, the Father, is so thrilled with Jesus beginning his ministry by laying down his rights and pursuing righteousness that he can't help but speak 
audibly to the crowd assembled. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Wow, I love this. He's going to do what I sent him there for. He's going to submit himself. He's going to be able to risk confusion about his identity. He's going to be willing to do things that he ought not have to do. He's going to listen to my voice and do what I ask him to do to the very end. I am pleased with him. This is righteousness. Not to do what we have a right to do, but to do what pleases God. Righteousness is whatever pleases God. That's what it is. God the Father, at this, at this first test moment of whether or not, and this is, this is deeply philosophical, deeply theological, but I'm just going to throw it out there anyway. At the very first moment where the second person of the Trinity can look at God his Father and say, not my will but yours, Jesus chooses his will. God the Father's will. At, at the very first moment where the great test of the character of Christ is there, whether or not with all of his power, all of his, his, his prerogatives as the divine son of God need to be laid down, he lays them down and says, John, dunk me because it pleases the Father. Is that our heart? Do we hunger and thirst for righteousness that way? That we would do things that we ought not have to do because righteousness is not only what we abstain from, righteousness is what we do in obedience to the voice of the Lord. Let me demonstrate what I mean for just a minute. On the side of Jesus, Jesus could have lived his entire life in Galilee. He could have chose to never break any of the laws of Moses. And he could have turned stones into bread, water into wine. He could have brought all the comforts that the world had to offer around himself but still not been righteous. Meaning he could have abstained from sin, but that didn't mean that he was doing righteousness. Because in that respect, Jesus would have never had to be baptized. He would have never healed anybody. He would have de never delivered demoniacs. He would have never preached the gospel. He would have never died for our sins. See, Jesus had things that he had to do according to the voice and plan of his Father in order to be made righteous. It wasn't just about what he abstained from. It was about doing what he ought to do. And he ought to have been baptized because it pleased the Father. More on that in just a second. But let me, let me kind of demonstrate what I mean from just an earthly perspective. Many of you know I have a gaggle of children, a sheer plethora. And uh, imagine for just a moment, sometimes happens, it's Saturday and my wife is working at the hospital. I say, kids, I'm, I'm going to go out for a few hours. I need you to listen to your oldest sister. She's the boss, all right? And two things, don't make a mess, don't make a mess, and don't get in a fight. That's all I need from you, right? That's what I need. Now, the truth is that after two or three hours, I can come home, and the house can be clean, and no fights need have occurred, but that doesn't mean that my children have acted righteously. That just means that they've abstained from what they ought to abstain from, which was making a mess and getting in a fight. But imagine for just a moment, as often happens to me, and I don't know why so often, one of my children opens the refrigerator and an entire pint of strawberry or strawberries or blueberries goes all over the floor of the kitchen. 
And they look at the one who's standing there in the kitchen amidst the berries and say, oh, that stinks. Sorry that happened. And then get down into whatever screen that they're focused on at that moment. That wouldn't be righteous behavior. Now, they may say to themselves, well, I didn't make the mess. But it's theirs to clean up. and I've got other things to do. Imagine for just a moment that one of the younger ones is, is in the, in the, in the schoolroom and is having some trouble on some homework. I don't understand this math. And the older ones hear that cry and say to themselves, hmm, it's not my homework. And ignore the cries of the younger ones. Imagine one of the older ones is given the chore of raking the front yard and the 85 mile per hour winds blowing the leaves everywhere. And they look out the bay window and go, boy, that stinks for her. But that's not my chore. It's not my problem. See, this is, this is the human nature. We, we, we can sometimes abstain from what we ought to abstain from. But do we listen to the voice of the Spirit say, get down on your hands and knees and help pick up the blueberries. Go in there and help your brother with the math problem. I'm sure you faced this a few years ago. Why don't you grab a rake and head out into the yard? They look like they're having a hard time. That would be righteous behavior. That's laying down your rights and saying, my time, my energy, my effort is not so important to me as I will restrict it from you to do what pleases me. That's righteousness. Jesus had righteous things to do that by rights it wasn't his job to do, but because his character was to hunger and thirst for righteousness, he did them. That is what pleases the Father. Not only what we abstain from, but what his voice tells us to do that we then listen to. But there's one more thing that makes this righteous, and we have to ask why does this please the Father? Right? We know it pleases the Father, and that makes it righteous, but why does this act of righteousness please the Father? Why is Jesus getting baptized? I think you probably know the answer. But before we get there, let's, let's just give you a hint. What's the difference between righteous and righteousness? Now, I know the answer to this, and, and that's why I bring up the question. Righteous in the Greek is a word, is dikaios. But righteousness is dikaiosne. Now, all we do is take the word righteous and we just plug another word on the end. That's what Greek loves to do. And the word that the Greek language plops on the end of righteous to make it righteousness is the word with. To be righteous with or by or for. Righteousness, dikaiosune, can only be done with, by, and for others. That's the root of the word. That's the nature of the word. Righteousness cannot be displayed privately. It has to be done with, by, and for others for it to be right. You can be righteous privately. Like, like you can read your Bible and you can pray and you can have personal piety, but righteousness denotes that by and for 
others. So let it be so now to fulfill righteous behavior with, by, and for others. Jesus wasn't baptized in order to be saved from his sins. Jesus wasn't baptized just to please the Father so the Father could go, you're going to do it or not? The Father wanted him to do it because he needed to demonstrate what he needed you and I to do. And Jesus always went there first. He would humble himself first. He would make the move towards us first. He would love us first. He would give his life in service for others first. He would give up his life for others first. And he would obey the voice of the Father first by being baptized first. He wants you to do the things that he did in the spirit that he did them. And therefore, for Christ to demonstrate righteousness, he needed to be baptized so he could look at all of you in 2023 in, in, in Stowe, Ohio, and say, you ought to be baptized too. What's your excuse? I obeyed the voice of the Father. You should as well. Jesus wasn't baptized for himself. He was baptized for us and all of those who would follow him. That's why it was so righteous. He was demonstrating to the Father, I will give my life up and I will lay down my rights and priorities and listen to your voice for the benefit of my brothers and sisters. And I will do it over and over and over again, even unto death, death on a cross. Because I will be righteous with, by, and for those who need me to be righteous. I'll do it for them. I'll demonstrate righteousness for them. This is why when Jesus says things like, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled, he knew of what he spoke. This, this is why Jesus says to his followers, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. See, the Pharisees could keep the rules but the Pharisees oftentimes would not lift their finger to do righteous behavior with, by, and for others. They could do the deeds that made them look religious, but they would not do the deeds that made them be righteous. They weren't interested in their brothers and sisters. They weren't interested in pleasing God. They were interested in looking religious, feeling justified, and therefore they were not. Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all other things will be added unto you. So simple questions for a simple sermon today. If I were to have you pray in just a moment and say, Lord, is my behavior pleasing to you? What would he say? Have you obeyed his voice because you hunger and thirst for righteousness or have you ignored his voice to do what pleases you? I have a right to something. I have a right to not do that. It's not my problem, therefore I shall not listen. When I said to Joshua and Dan and Tawny today how proud I was of them, and, and not that I wasn't proud of, of Paige and Brighton, I'm, I'm getting somewhere, I'm proud of all of them, but I was proud because they were demonstrating righteousness to their children. Humbling themselves as adults to say, the Lord said it, so I'll do it. That's neat. 
kids are so much more humble than adults. So it's just neat to see that. I'll, I'll, I'll engage in righteous behavior for my children. And what Paige and Brighton did in this place today was to engage in righteous behavior. And I know they were doing it between them and the father. They wanted to please the father. But ultimately, they were demonstrating to the other children and the other youth in the room, I'm going to obey the voice of the father, even if it inconveniences me. That pleases him. What are you making today someone else's problem when it should be yours? What acts of righteousness are you not demonstrating to please the Father or to model to your children? Folks, if you don't obey the voice of the Lord in every aspect of your life, you're missing it. Jesus already told us if we obey the voice of God and do things his way, we'll be blessed and we'll have his joy. So you're missing it. But just as important for the men and women with children in the room today, what are you demonstrating for your kids? What are you demonstrating for your kids? If the only thing you're demonstrating is to look religious, you're you're missing it. Are you laying down your time and your treasure and your talent before the Lord and saying, not my will, but yours? Are you demonstrating righteous behavior to your children among your brothers and sisters? You need to. You need to. You need to. Oh, what a blessed thing for folks to see you engage in some shocking behavior for the kingdom of God. Some things that by rights you don't feel like you should have to do, but you will do. I know somebody in the room might say, well, didn't Jesus also say, beware of doing your righteousness before men that they may be seen by you? That's about pride, folks. And please, use discernment in what I say today. We don't give of our tithes and offerings unto the Lord so other people see them. We don't take time serving at the church so other people notice. We don't take time evangelizing evangelizing in our neighborhood so we can have great stories to tell the other people. We do it for the kingdom of God and because it pleases our Father. But folks, demonstrating righteousness is a powerful tool if it's done from the desire to please our Father and to do the right thing. Jesus was being baptized before men and women so we'd see it. So let me ask you today simply, are you pleasing the Father? And could your brothers and sisters call you righteous? Do they know you're submitted to God your Father? Do they know? Not for your sake. Not so they can go, oh, wow, what a Christian. But because you hunger and thirst to do right. Right by God. And right by others. Would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Oh, Lord, I don't expect today necessarily to hear a voice from heaven. But I expect on all of our behalf, Lord, one day to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter your rest. Lord, I know it's our hearts to be good and faithful servants. In our hearts, we want our time devoted to you. In our hearts, we want our effort devoted to you. In our hearts, we want 
our families devoted to you, our relationships devoted to you. In our hearts, we want our treasure devoted to you. But Lord, so many times we convince ourselves that we don't have to. We ought not have to. Maybe that wasn't your voice, or I think somebody else is better suited to do that. Oh, Lord, would you make of us a people that hunger and thirst for righteousness? Would you make of us a people who want to please your heart, not our own? Would you make of us a people who will lay down the rights that we have by the world's standards? and take up the righteousness that you have. The standards of our Lord. Help us. Help us. Whatever you want, Lord. Whatever you ask. We declare to you today, our lives are yours. We place them in your hands. Help us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We want to be like Jesus. We ask these things in his matchless name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, my brothers and sisters, if you are able, would you stand with us today? If someday someone asks you, what are the primary character qualities of Jesus? And you don't say, well, he was forgiving and merciful, he was humble, and he hungered and thirsted for righteousness. I'll be very disappointed. No, I won't. I won't. And there's probably some great ones that we haven't got to hit in these last three weeks. But boy, have we been challenged. Boy, have we been challenged. I know the Word of God has challenged me. I pray you'll go from this place today, ready to pray the Lord's Prayer tomorrow. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. And I'll lay my will way down here. God bless you.